0: So we've been talking about preparing our homes for Christmas, we've been talking about preparing our hearts for Christmas, and today I really want to talk to you about what it means for the church to be prepared for Christmas, and what Christmas does for us as we move forward into the new year, and how important it is that we're prepared for all that God has to do in the new year through the birth of Jesus Christ For us, if you remember, and you can go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, that's where we've been and where we'll continue to be. But if you remember, we started with the story of Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth getting a visitation from the angel Gabriel, talking about their son John the Baptist being born. And then we studied the life of Mary for a little bit and saw the visitation of the angel Gabriel again as she was told that Jesus would be born. And and we just we talked about what it meant for her last week preparing our hearts for Christmas, and today as we talk about preparing the church, I couldn't think of a better way to do that than to go back to Zachariah's life. And if you kind of notice through the Gospel of Luke, it starts with Zachariah, and then it goes uh, to his wife Elizabeth, and then it goes to Mary, and then it comes back to Zachariah because he makes a prophecy. Not only about the son that he was going to have born, but also the the baby Jesus that was going to be born, because you 've got to remember Zechariah when we first found him, where was he? He was ministering as a priest unto the Lord, and so he 's making a prophetic utterance for really you know if you think about it this way, for the church you know he 's making it for, for the for the Jews who are under his ministry, but God is doing something here, and I want us to see this. In this prophecy concerning John the Baptist and Jesus, and how that might affect our lives this morning. So we're going to read about 13 verses from uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verse 67 and following, and you can just kind of keep up with us this morning. Then his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, blessed is the Lord the God of Israel, because he has visited and provided redemption for his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, just as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets in ancient times, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of those who hate us. He's dealt mercifully with our fathers and remembered his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham. He's given us the privilege since we have been rescued from the hand of our enemies to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness in his presence all our days. And you, child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his way and give his people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of our God's merciful compassion, the dawn from on high will visit us to shine on those who live in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. How many of you have ever heard the name Warren Weersby? Does that ring a bell with anybody? Anybody, a few of you. If you hadn't, it's a name you should know. Warren Wearsby is probably most famous for writing uh, his kind of um, small uh, commentaries on the Bible, and you can get them in, in large form, kind of all crammed in there together. He doesn't often go into depth about a subject, but he gives you just enough information to help you see the picture of it. And and what we're what we're looking at this morning, and my understanding of it, I just want to tell you, it's been greatly influenced by his writings about this. And so if if you hear something, you're like, oh, that does sound a little bit familiar. Absolutely it will. Because when I first read his outline of the Gospel of Luke in this, it just really arrested my heart. And I think it gives us an understanding of the scripture in the right way and hopefully what we'll be able to do today is to see the historical context of this scripture but also the present day context of this scripture because as we often do, when we open the Bible, what we're trying to do is stand between two worlds, aren't we? We're standing between the ancient world in which the scripture was written and the modern world in which we're reading it and we're seeing how God's word is faithful to be applied yesterday today and forever because that's God's word. It is eternally accurate and perfect for us and I believe that Christmas needs to have an impact on our church this year in the way we think about the new year and prepare for all that God is doing. I want to give you four things this morning that we see from the scripture that I think apply to our church as well, the, the first thing that I want you to see is that god 's work of redemption is still going on that that word redeemed" is so important for us to see it 's a wonderful word, and we see it immediately in verse sixty eight and sixty nine this explanation of it. Blessed is the Lord the God of Israel, because he 's visited and provided redemption for his people. He raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant. David. When you think about redemption, it's an old word that we probably don't use very often anymore, unless you think about. Redeeming a coupon, or or you can redeem uh, a, a, a deal in some way. But but when we think about redemption, what it means is to buy back something that was lost in the biblical sense. To be able to buy back something that's lost, there are a couple of pictures of this in the Old Testament that help our understanding of this. The first certainly is what it meant for God to redeem His people out of slavery out of Egypt, and that word in deliverance just is carried all the way through the Old Testament Uh, you can find it in the book of Hosea as Hosea redeems his wife back Uh, did anybody can can I get a little Bible jeopardy here anybody remember Hosea's wife's name there you go it's Gomer okay it wasn't just on Andy Griffith you heard that the first time it's in the scripture you should have known that right so you you see this this idea of redemption taking place and now as Zechariah begins to say this it perfectly describes our relationship with the Lord think about it like this with me We were lost and our freedom had been lost because we were enslaved to sin. That's what the scripture says, that those who are without Christ are enslaved to sin. I love it when we sing the song, I'm no longer a slave of sin, but I am a child of God. Because that's a picture of what God has done in redemption and salvation in our lives. The blood of Jesus was the payment for our release from the domain of darkness. I want you to think about that. You and I, before we met Christ, We're enslaved in the domain of darkness. We might have been fooled for a minute, and we might have thought that we were under control of our sin. We, we, are I'm sorry, that we could control our sin, that we could manage it. And that's one of the the gravest mistakes that we can ever make is to believe that we can manage sin. It's not that big a deal. I got this under control. I just play with it a little bit and then I put it away. No, it's just it's just a little bit of sin. It's not a bit that that, that's faulty thinking. Sin is ensnares us. It it enslaves us. It puts us in bondage. And Christ Jesus came and died for us, and his blood was the payment that bought us our freedom. And so when we think about this today, we must never forget that for the church, salvation is actually the key issue. It extends to all of us this morning and is a responsibility for all of us, because if we lose sight of the fact that salvation is the key issue for the church all the time, we lose sight of the fact of why we exist. What was Christ doing in our lives when he set us free? Well, he set us free so that we could point others along the way to freedom. We've been given this freedom. And I wanna just tell you this morning, if you've never given your life to Christ, if you've never been saved, it might sound really complicated, but I promise you it's not. The Bible says that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord and asks to be saved will be saved. Romans 10, nine and 10 tells us this is a promise of God. Romans 10, 13 tells us that we have assurance of that. You have to understand that for us, it's when we admit that we're sinners, that we're not perfect. We often say things like that, but I don't think we really mean it. Well, you know I'm not perfect. Well, yeah, we all know you're not perfect. You know that I'm not perfect. I know that you're not perfect. But what does it mean? It means that we have violated God's word. We violated God's precepts and his principles and his law. And we're lost, separated from God until we come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ, God's son who died in our place. And so for us, when we think about it, it's the key issue of the church is this idea of redemption. And it starts in salvation because we understand that all of the issues of the world, they all stem from a broken relationship with the Lord all of the issues in the world. And and redemption is the starting point for all those things in salvation. We wanna see people's lives changed in salvation, but we also wanna see this idea of redemption carried out in our ministries as well. This year, we brought before you in the fall this idea that we were going to start uh, promoting what we're calling now our New Life Initiatives as part of our global focus outreach to try to reach the ends of the earth. New Life Initiatives had to deal with things like the Tennessee Baptist Children's Home, and you provided over $55,000 for them this year so that they could build adequate housing for people who are in the foster care system, who don't have a place right now. Uh, we, we've been working with Embrace Grace, like Leslie just mentioned. And, and I want you just to understand that that's, that's only going to extend because we see enslavement all around us. You, you realize that Nashville is a hotbed place, the crossroads of sex trafficking. And sex trafficking isn't something that we can just just kind of understand is going on and feel good about if we put an X on our hand one day of year to say we're raising awareness. Folks, as a church, We're gonna have a responsibility and and just stay tuned for that. In in the new year, we're gonna ask you to to engage in, in, in setting the captives free. We're asking you to engage even now in new life initiatives by setting the captives free here at our church. We're gonna ask you to engage uh, in our recovery church movement this year. There's some special things that are gonna happen in recovery church right in January. You won't wanna miss it. They'll happen here on a Sunday morning when we ordain the pastor of recovery church to the gospel ministry. And that's gonna be a great celebration for us. Because we believe that people are enslaved in drugs and alcohol and there's freedom in Christ. That you don't have to live that way. So we want to see this redemption carried out not just in salvation but extended into our ministries. Not only that. But I want you to see that if redemption is what God is doing, there's a purpose behind it. It's that we were delivered so we could serve him. Would you just just see this with me? It It, it, it doesn't make sense until you understand the context. I think, you know... In Ephesians, the scripture says that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Why did God save you? Sure, he wanted a relationship with you and isn't that great that he did? But it's so much more than that. We were saved so that we could serve and become his workmanship and do these good works. Look at verses 74 and 75. I want you to see, this is a beautiful thing how Zachariah describes this. He says, and it really starts at the end of verse 73, but he said, he's given us this privilege since we have been rescued from the hand of our enemies to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness in his presence all our days. With deliverance came a new responsibility. With redemption came a new responsibility for us and it was that we could serve the Lord and guess here's, here's the great thing about it, we get to do it without fear. I wanna just say this to you. If, if you're in, in this room today and you don't have anything that would go beyond, let me, I'm, I'm missing this up. I had it all in my mind. Y'all know this happens with me a lot. The mind runs faster than the, than the mouth or sometimes the mouth runs faster than the brain. It just depends. If you find yourself in anything but reverential fear of the Lord, something is wrong. Think about what Zachariah just said. We should all reverence the Lord You know, the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But if you're afraid of the Lord, something's wrong. That's not the relationship. Jesus has brought us near and he calls us friend. You have to examine, why is that? Zechariah says that that when we come to know the Lord, what happens is we're freed from that. We're, We're freed from fear so that we can serve him. When you're not afraid of things, you perform better in everything that you do. It, it doesn't matter what it is. If, if you have to stand up here and, and, and maybe give the announcements, if you're afraid of that, right, it, it's, it's, it's a crazy thing. You'll stammer all over yourself and it's real hard to do. If, if you're trying to perform at work or in a big task or on the athletic field of competition, if you're afraid, you're held back. When you're free, there's an ability that comes out of what God's doing in your life to be able to serve him in ways that you might not have thought were even possible, we don't serve a hidden God who must be placated. What we're serving is a God who loves us and has called us friends. Remember, folks, the book of Hebrews says that the holy of holies is no longer off limits to us, right? The veil was torn into, and we approach the throne of grace with boldness now. Well, how can we do that? Well, it's because we're not afraid. But I want you to see what happens here, and this is very, very important that you see this. When we talk about serving the Lord, it says that we must do it in holiness and righteousness. Holiness. What does that mean, to be set apart? It means that there are things in your life that are different than folks who don't know the Lord. Because in your life, in my life, there, there should be some markers that should be different. We shouldn't have the same words coming out of our mouth that everybody else has. We shouldn't be doing the same actions that everyone else does because we're different. We're holy, we're set apart. We, we should have a, a strangeness about our lives that, that, that people marvel at, right? Why, why don't you do that? Why, why don't you come along and do this when we're all doing this? Because of what God has done in our lives, we are set apart. But then it says we serve him in righteousness. Righteousness is this idea of the plumb bob. Anybody remember what a plumb bob is? When, when I first uh, took a machine tool class, one of the first projects that they ever had us make was a plumb bob, I've never used it, but I still have it. I mean, you know, uh, we we now have laser levels and all this kind of stuff. You don't need it exactly. But if you want to know if something's straight, you tie a string to a plumb bob. It's a weighted instrument with a, a point at the end. And when you hang it, it will hang straight and show you if something is righteous. If it is right, perpendicular. When you think about what God is saying, how can we be righteous? We're righteous as we obey him, as we serve him in holiness and righteousness, and we're free to do this. God has released us to do this. And when I, when I think about this in our church, I want to remind you of something for this year. I want to remind you of the responsibility that you have to serve the Lord. God didn't deliver you so you could sit and soak. God didn't give you gifts so that you could just sit back and let other people do that. God gave you gifts, and if you withhold that from the body, we're not complete, If you withhold that from the body, we're lacking things. God's given you giftedness. And if you're saying, well, I don't don't really know what my giftedness is. I'm so glad you asked. We have a serve class. You can take it online. You can take it in person. Find it on our website. We'll help you discover those things. And we'll try to find a place for you to serve the Lord. Not how you think you ought to serve the Lord, but in the way that you feel gifted to serve the Lord. There's a difference. Earlier this year, we asked you as a church to begin praying about 100 new people coming and being part of Judson Baptist Church. And from time to time, specifically on our second Sunday night prayer services, we've just prayed for 100 new people. And do you remember why we prayed for that? Is is we were praying for it because we said, you know, with everything that had happened over the last two years and the transition that had taken place and people moving and and not maybe making it back as quick as we'd like them to in the building— We weren't trying to cut all of our ministries, but that meant we had to have some people come along to serve because you can't just have people not replaced and keep doing everything, right? It just doesn't work. I mean, it's a simple thing. So we asked you to help us pray about that. I was asking Pastor Nathan about that this week. He tracks all of these things for us as our next steps pastor. And, And I said, Nathan, how many people have joined the church this year? And he said, well, I have good news for you, pastor. 73 people have joined the church this year. That's an amazing number, isn't it? When you think about that, we've been praying for a hundred people to come and 73 people have joined the church. But but I want to remind you of something. We still have more than 20 something people that have taken the next steps class that haven't joined the church. And I want to just appeal to, if you're in the room and you're one of those people or you're new with us today, I want to just make an appeal to you. I'm so glad that you're here and we need you here. And we want you to be here. And we don't believe we're the only church in town. Obviously, if you've been down Franklin Road, there's a few others. We don't even believe that we're the best church in town. Uh, That's not what it's about. We just believe that we're the church that God put at 4900 Franklin Road for a specific purpose. We believe that God's purposes are to use his churches uniquely. And it's not about joining the kingdom of Judson Baptist Church, because it's not our kingdom it is about joining the kingdom of God and what's happening in the kingdom of God and building the kingdom of God. And if it's not going to be here, you gotta get somewhere and do it. You know, I mean, you, just, you, don't, have a, you don't have the option of, of just kind of laying out of that. And so I wanna encourage you to partner with us in membership. I wanna encourage you because if you, don't, if you don't join with us, there's a couple of things that get a little funny. Can I just, if we're just being honest here, I don't know if I'm your pastor or if I'm the speaker. There's a difference. If I'm the speaker, I, I mean, I don't really have much to say about your life. I, I, don't, really, I don't really have anything to, to really offer that. If, if, if it's just the speaker here, if Pastor Kirk is just the musician, I mean, we could all go to the Ryman Auditorium and maybe have just as much or more fun, honestly. You know, I mean, we could do that. I mean, that, that would be a musician type thing to do, but that's not how we see our. We're pastors, we're shepherds of something. And so I want to encourage you, join with us and be part of what God's doing in the new year. Come sink your life here. That's one of the reasons that we asked this family to to light the candles for you. When we asked Emily and Leslie and and Hank to be a part of this is because we want you to see that there's something that can be built here for the long haul that God is doing. It's a partnership for us. Do you remember in Philippians chapter one, the apostle Paul says, I thank my God every time for you. I think about you because of your partnership with me in the gospel from the first day until now. We cannot achieve success in the Great Commission on our own. It doesn't work. It takes all of us. If we're going to change Nashville, Tennessee, there's no like Rambo movies where it's one guy out doing it or something like that. It's all of us together doing it. We're we're in this together. And we're better together because God has given us things in each other that we don't have on our own. So I encourage you, think about that. Be ready this year to go all in. We're redeemed, we're delivered to serve, but God's called us to be witnesses. Would you see this? Zachariah said about his son John the Baptist that he would have a specific role, and it was going to point people to Jesus. Look at verses sixty—I'm sorry, 76 and 77. And you, child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his way, to give his people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. As believers, we must never lose sight of this because everything in our lives screams for us to put this on the back burner and do everything else but this. Oh man, I would love to serve as a teacher. I would love to work in your parking lot. I'll be a greeter. I'll sing in the choir. I'll do anything, all of us. But you know, that's why I think it's important for us to be reminded. We said that salvation was the key issue of the church. How does it happen that people come to know the Lord? It's when they meet someone like you, someone like me, who just begins to engage them with the gospel. Do you remember when we talked about gospel engagement about four years ago? We said that gospel engagements in our city were important because we needed to engage a lost world with the gospel. We, we set out to engage 50,000 people a year with the gospel for three years. It took us four years to do it because of the one year where we were kind of, kind of off put, but, but this is really important that you see this. John the Baptist had a specific role Oftentimes in the Gospels, and uh, specifically in the Gospel of John, you hear him say, "Prepare the way of the Lord." But do you remember he would also say, "Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world." What was he pointing people to? He was pointing them to Jesus. He he was pointing them to understand this. And and, and the Scripture said about John that he was going to give people knowledge of salvation. If somebody doesn't know they're lost, they can't be saved. They they have to know that they're lost. So so for us, it's not about pointing out all the wrong things they're doing in their lives, but it is pointing to the fact that we were lost and we were saved now. And and so for us to be able to do that in people's lives, we do it as we engage them as good neighbors and friends and coworkers and people that we hang out with at school and and the hobbies that we do and all those kinds of things, and we just point them to Jesus. And we want to give them some knowledge. And, And how do we do that? Well, we can give them knowledge on Sunday and Wednesday in grow groups, in events like we're having this afternoon and this evening, or, or even events like inviting your friends to come along and, and hang out with Pastor Rich and Miss Geraldine as they do pancakes and PJs. That, that's an event. That's, it's an opportunity for people to hear these things. You have to give somebody the knowledge of who Jesus is because what we really believe is that there's a God-shaped hole in every man and every woman and every boy, every girl's heart that can only be filled by a relationship with Jesus. And the Scripture says... That, that happens through the forgiveness of their sins. The Bible tells us that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And the forgiveness of sins for us is what we relish and we, we celebrate and we're so excited about that we get to, to sing about and, and come in and be joyful about, but we want others to know the same thing. And so for us as a church, as we think about what Christmas means, it, it ought to really hearken our minds back to our mission. And it's that we want to be a witness for all to see, for all to know that God has loved them with an everlasting love and that Jesus has died in their place for their sins. You say, I'm, I'm not certain that I'm good at that, Pastor. Can I tell you just a, a couple of things that, that might help you this year? Uh, at, at the very least, if you're not good at it and you, you feel a little intimidated by it, you could say, Hey, uh, I go to this church and we're doing this Christmas thing tonight and would you want to just come with me and then maybe afterwards we'll get a bite to eat? Don't hear the gospel tonight. You say, well, okay, I I might could do that. That'd be good. Did you know that if you go out these doors and just to the left, kind of right by the elevator, do you know that we have a, a, a kind of a rotating carousel of gospel tracks that you could pick up? And You know, uh, I have to tell you that um, those are effective. I know that they're effective because my wife is a living legacy of of a gospel tract. Her grandfather once remarked, I love this story. He loved Billy Graham. And uh, he remarked to my father-in-law one day, he said, you know, I've always felt like I'm on the outside looking in. And my father-in-law handed him a Steps to Peace with God tract written by Billy Graham. He said, Papa Mark, I know you love Billy Graham. Have Have you ever read this? Read this next day, my wife's grandfather said, I'm not on the outside anymore. I'm on the inside. He was saved by a gospel track. They still work. They're still effective. You don't have to be able to preach a sermon. Preach a sermon with your life. Preach a sermon through your good deeds. And when people ask you why you're doing it, just tell them it's because the love of Christ overflowing in your life. You know, we're just told to give a hope for the, I mean, a, a, an answer for the hope that is within us, right? We're not told to preach the sermon. We're not told to give an in-depth Bible study on Malachi. You don't have to understand Zephaniah and all the ins and outs of that. You just have to tell people that Jesus loves them and that he's made a difference in your life. That's a witness. God can use a faithful witness. You would be surprised. We're redeemed, delivered to serve, called to be a witness, a witness, and then Zechariah saw something that I hope you'll see today. He saw the dawn of a new day. He saw the dawn of a new day with these two boys being born. Can you imagine? I mean, we oftentimes think our children are special. And if you're a grandparent in here, you definitely think your grandchildren are special. And the truth of it is, I mean, can we be honest? Our kids, our grandkids, all I mean, they're special because God made them uniquely and all of that. But these boys were special right? If you're going to brag, they could do it. Hey, in our family, we had a prophet and a savior born. What you got, you know? I mean, yeah. So your kid plays basketball. Who cares? You know what I mean? It just honor roll student. Whoop-dee-doo. You know what I mean? I mean, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't even come close, does it? But Zachariah saw something and he saw that God was going to be shining in the darkness. Would you look at verses 78 and 79 with me? Because of our God's merciful compassion, the dawn from on high will visit us to shine on those who live in darkness. The shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. I love the symbolic nature of what he's talking about here. If you've been at Judson for any number of years, you know that I love flashlights, I don't like the dark. I never have. You know, I don't know what the deal is. I don't know why anybody would want to walk around in the dark. You're going to stub your toe, you're going to fall, you're going to trip, all those kind of things. If you just have a little flashlight, click, click, life is good, right? Now you have them on your phone or whatever, and and, and I love that, that there are literally these lights now. I went over to a friend's house, and we were hanging out in the backyard at night, and The kids, it was growing dark and the kids were trying to play some volleyball and stuff. And he's like, wait just a minute. And he went in and, I mean, it was like a stadium light that he put up. And I was like, where did you get this? And he's like, Home Depot, man, it's LED. It lit up the the yard like the daytime, right? I mean, it's a beautiful thing to think about being in darkness and then being in light. To be in darkness is such a symbolic thing in the scripture because it's to be lost and without hope. Zachariah saw that these two boys were ushering in the kingdom of God. He saw that the darkness was fading. Now remember, 400 years between Malachi and the next word of the Lord. 400 years. Darkness. And the people would see a great light. A new day dawning. When Jesus Christ came, it was a new day dawning. Because no longer was God Uh, not approachable for the average person. All of us could now be uh, approaching God through Jesus Christ, the son. We didn't have to go through the great high priest. Uh, We had the great high priest and he had died in our place. And and this idea of it dawning, it was like something starting. And, And I just gotta tell you, I love the fact that at new year, it does feel like the night is coming to a close and the new year is starting. This morning when I left to get here, it was dark, dark. And I wondered, like, I just, I love Google. It just tells you everything. I was like, when is the winter solstice, you know? When are we going to start to see the lengthening of the days? It's not that far away, if you're wondering. I think it's the 21st. So it's coming, right? But isn't it funny that at the end of a year, I don't know if it's like this for you, but it certainly is for me. There's no difference between December 31st and January 1st. But man, it feels like it, doesn't it? it just feels like you get to close out some things and you get to see something new being started. And I want to remind you that there are some things that never change with God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But God is all about starting new things. Sing a new song to the Lord. Uh, God's doing a new thing over here. Come and see. Come and see what God is doing. It's an invitation for us. As we've been singing this morning about God's joy, God's joy given to us allows us to experience the light of this dawning in Christ each day in our lives. Every day that you wake up and the sun rises, it's like the light of men being shined on you, the light of life, the light of men coming into our life. And we get to experience the dawning of that And he's been faithful to us this year. And as we close out this year, I'm just reminded that as God closes out a year, the light of the dawning of 2023 is going to be incredible. God's going to be doing some great things in our lives. God's not finished. It's not like the the best days of our lives with the Lord are in the past. The best days are yet to come. It may not feel like it all the time. We may be going through a season of, of hardship. You may be going through a season of questioning. You may be going through a season where you're a little bit down, but I want to just remind you, The scripture's always pointing us to hope and future because that's what Jesus brings to us. Remember that salvation, what we get of salvation, it's just called the down payment right now. So much of it is to come. It's gonna be experienced in heaven, folks. We're pointed to heaven to get the full payment of our salvation. So when we think about this, as a church, for us to be ready for what God is going to do next year, it means that we look at Christmas in a way That invigorates us and gets us excited about things. And it doesn't make us, as I keep saying this to us, and I hope it's really ringing true with you. Please don't just be sentimental this year. Please don't just be sentimental and just have all the feels and and all that kind of stuff. Please be someone who's motivated by what's happening at Christmas this year, that's motivated, ready to spring into the new year, understanding that God has redeemed us and that we have the work of redemption to keep promoting and doing through our ministries so that people will come to know the Lord Jesus Christ and be freed from the bondage of sin and all that Satan has planned for them. If you don't know this, I'm gonna blow your mind. We often talk about God's plan for our lives, but Satan has one too, folks. What is his? To kill, steal, and destroy That's his plan. So so we understand that that he's working and he's ever active. And and so we want to see people redeemed. We want to be delivered to serve the Lord without fear and and do it in righteousness and holiness. And we want to see you come and join with us in partnership of the gospel. Be, Be a part of what God's doing here. Now, be a part of what God wants to do through this church in this season because God is doing something that I believe in the next few years is going to startle us and excite us, and, and, and we'll look back on it and, and we'll remember a day where we were all just praying for 100 new people so we could keep our, our vision going and so that we could keep our ministries going. And we'll remember a year where God answered our prayers. We have to be a witness faithfully proclaiming the excellencies of serving Christ and the glory of his riches for us. And I want us to believe this year, like maybe we haven't in a long time, that a new day is dawning and God's doing something new and we'll get to be along for the ride. I want to ask you, if you would, to bow your heads and close your eyes. And in a moment, we're going to sing a song of response it's a familiar carol to some of you, I'm sure, and it speaks to what we've been reading about. But I want to ask you a question. Can, can we just have a moment together? Are you saved this morning? I don't mean have you ever made a decision for Jesus. I mean, are you saved? Are you in relationship with him? Sometimes we can have an emotional experience but our lives weren't changed. Are you saved? If not, would you place your trust in Christ Jesus today to be saved? Would you trust him as Lord and Savior that he was the payment for your sins? If you're a believer this morning, are you serving the Lord in holiness and righteousness and free from fear? If not, why not? What's holding you back? If you're on the fence here as part of our church family, I want to encourage you to join today. You can do it at the invitation as we sing in just a moment, or you can do it at our Next Steps desk with Pastor Nathan. You can see me after the service, but we want you to be a part of of God's family and building his kingdom. Maybe God's put on your heart today someone that needs a witness from you. Would you pray for them by name right now? Would you ask God to give you the words to speak to them? Father, we believe a new day is dawning just like it did so long ago. God, you're doing great things and new things in our presence. And we thank you, Father, for all the answered prayer. Father, we want to see the captives released. We want to see the world made right. And we believe that that can only happen through Jesus Christ. And until you come back, Father, we are your church. We are your outpost. Christ Jesus, we'll lift up your name and proclaim your name to the nations starting right here in our city. Father, for the one who might be far from you today, we pray that they would be saved. And for the one who needs to serve you today in absence of fear in their life, Lord, we pray that you would give them assurance. Father, make us a holy and righteous people who serve the name of Jesus. God, thank you for this season in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.